All right, all right, all right. Good morning, everybody. How are you? Listen, today is going to be an extremely, extremely good day. Started out, listen, you could wear shorts outside this morning. I was thinking, praise the Lord on that. I don't even care if I ever see another snowflake again. And if you don't, and if you don't understand why, then you should shave your head. Because when you shave your head, you'll find out. Listen, it gets cold quickly. You can go outside and get brain freeze in about two seconds. But uh, I'm excited about today, what we're going to be sharing today. I've got some sec- I got a secret weapon in here that you know not of. And we're going listen, it's going it's to be good, though. But to- today's message, listen, I had to en- enlist the-, the assistance of my wife on this one because we're going to be talking about how to meet your, your wife's needs. Now, everybody needs to know this. Everybody needs to know this. But, but here's the thing. You know, I, I always hated when I would go, like, to Walmart or some store, and I would see this magazine that says, What Every Man Wants, and it was written by a woman. I'm going, how does she know what a, a man wants? You know, I mean, but, 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 but women have... Uh, certain needs and men have certain needs, and, and next week we're gonna we're gonna hit on the men. But uh, I believe today is gonna be a, a powerful day, a funny day. We're gonna enjoy ourselves. We're gonna learn a few things. I just wanna encourage you. Look, if you came in here, and I'm just talking to the men right now, because I am a man and I understand how men work. If you come in here with a bad attitude, and what I mean by that is, and what listen, better, better watch out. Next week I'm coming after you women, but uh, but. But uh, you know, if, if you come in here, because what happens is when we start talking about stuff like this, men want to completely like shut down and then just turn, you know, just you know, just turn things off, and you know, because we, we don't like to talk about this. But I mean, again, you know, your 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 marriage to to your wife, your your marriage in general is the second most important relationship in your life, and so we're going to be talking about needs today. Now, I want to preface that needs, not wants. There's a big difference between needs and wants. And how many know that men and women are different? I mean, they think differently. You know, I mean, you know, you, you, ask, you ask a man or, you know, uh, or a man, you know, says to you, you know, hand me the remote. What do you think he means by that? Hand me the remote. Yeah, it's simple, you know, simple. But, but if, 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 if a woman asks, hand me the remote, what does she mean? Who knows what she means? I mean, n- nobody knows that. I mean, men and women think differently. You know, for example, men will, will pay $2 for an item that only costs $1 because they like it, okay? But, but women, women, they'll pay $1 for an item that's worth $2 that they don't like just because it's on sale. I, 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 don't, I don't understand it, but, but men and women are, are, are completely different. You know, it's been said that, that married men live longer than, than single men, but, but married men are willing to die quicker. But uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what's up with that. But, I mean, he, here's the truth. I, I say this all the time, but, but this is really and truly the honest truth. God has designed marriage in such a way that he intends to kill the both of you. It's just true. And you will not have a happy marriage until you learn how to die to yourself. You know, marriage is a win-win situation. It is a win-win situation. And so when we learn how to do it right, do it God's way, there's a 100% chance of success. 
I mean, when we follow what God says in His Word about marriage and relationship, there's a 100% chance of there being success. Now, you may, you may be here today and, 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 and you've experienced a, 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 a tragic divorce or, or maybe you're, you're a widow or, or maybe there's, you know, you've had some conflict you know, in, in your relationships and, in, in, and you've been wounded and you've been hurt. And, and last week we talked about that. We talked about the most important issue in, in marriage, and, and that was your relationship with Jesus. We talked about the woman at the well and, and, and how that, that Jesus is the only person that can meet the deepest needs in our life. And so regardless of where you're at and, and how uh, the condition that your relationships are in, I want you to know something. There's a solution. There is an answer. That's what I love about the Bible. The Bible has something to say about whatever season of life that you may be in relationally. So I hope you come to, to, to learn today, uh, to, to receive today, and more importantly, I hope that you take what you hear and what you learn today and, and immediately begin to apply it into your life because change doesn't happen just because we receive information. You know, you're not changed because you hear the Word of God preached to you. You know, the Bible says that, that he who hears the word and doesn't do the word is like a man who looks into the mirror and walks away forgetting what manner of man that he is. Because God doesn't bless a hearer of the word. God blesses the, the doer, you know. And so uh, we're, we're going to be talking about some just practical things that uh, hopefully will be uh, helpful for, for all of us. And again, I, I just want to say that, that I'm not an expert. I'm not a professional you know, I'm not a, a, a guru. I don't have a, a, a Ph.D. in anything except goofing up. But, but one thing about it, I'm, I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning. Now, I tell my wife all the time, the Lord knows I have my problems, but being wrong is not one of them. I didn't hear any amens from the men right there, but I mean. So if you would turn into your Bible to Ephesians chapter number 5. <laughs> Ephesians chapter number 5. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you a few things this morning. And, and we're going to talk about the, the, the four needs of a woman. And I know what I'm going to preach to you this morning is right because I asked my wife. And she's never wrong. And, and, and so, no, I, no, I did. Because I, I wanted to make sure that, that, that what I'm talking about is not just theory. And that it's not just something that... Uh, you know, that, that, that I came up with, that I believe is true about women. Uh, I, I believe that, that there are universal needs. All of us have certain universal needs. We talked about them last week. We talked about identity. We talked about uh, acceptance. We talked about uh, purpose. We, we talked about those things. All of those are deep universal needs that everybody has, but there's also some unique needs that women have that men don't have. And that's what we're going to talk about. Ephesians chapter number 5 we're going to start reading at verse number 25. And if you're there, say amen. It says, Husbands, submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord. Everybody loves that verse. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse with the washing of the water by the word, that he may present her to himself a glorious church, not without, having, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. 
So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own body, so he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And he says this in verse 32. This is a great mystery. And I'm still figuring that out. I'm still in that same. This is a mystery. You know, we, 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 we don't know everything that we need to know about the context of marriage and the context of relationship. But he said, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Let's pray. Father, we ask you just to take these next few moments that we have together, speak to our hearts. Lord, we know that marriage was your idea, wasn't our idea. We know that marriage is the most in, uh, important institution in the world, Lord, and it's under attack. Families are under attack. And God, I pray that you would use us to raise up a standard to fight for our families and for family in general. Lord, I pray that you would give us open hearts, open minds, speak to us deeply, help us to have the humility and the courage to just take what we hear today from your word and put it and apply it into our lives. And Lord, we'll be forever grateful in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to begin by asking a question. If I were to ask you, what is the purpose of marriage? Could you give me a definition? Or what is the meaning of marriage? I mean, could you give me a, 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 a definition? Do, do you know what it is? And, and I would dare say that the majority of people, not just in here, but you know, in the United States as a whole, or even, even around the world, the majority of people have no idea what the purpose of marriage is. They don't understand. They don't even know the meaning of it. And, and the danger is this. If we do not know what the meaning of marriage is, then, then how can we even begin to think that we would be successful if we don't even know what we're trying to accomplish? So, so what is the purpose of marriage? If, if you can't give a definition, if you don't know what that is, then you know what? Then, then, then today's message is going to be pretty helpful to you. You know, I'm finding out the longer that I'm married that every year that I do it right, it gets better. Did you know that? Every year that, that you do right in your marriage, your marriage will get better. But that's true, but the opposite of that is true. Every year that you do it wrong, things get worse. And so it's important to understand that there's a right way and a wrong way to, to do marriage. But God has given the institution of the marriage because there's some a, a specific purpose and multiple needs that, 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 that can only be fulfilled in the relationship that you have with your husband or, or with your wife. I, you know, I said earlier that, that marriage is a win-win situation and that there is a 100% chance of success if we do things God's way. Now, that's the important thing. Doing marriage God's way is the only way that you can be successful. You can't be taking advice from J-Lo. You can't be taking advice from Dr. Phil. You can't be taking advice from everybody that's coming and going. Listen, you, you, you have to look at some, uh, some, some of God's truths in here when it speaks about re relationship and marriage and find out how we're supposed to do this thing. Now, the first, uh, the first thing I want to say, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 3, this is in the Good News translation. I'm just going to just teach with you. 
And then it says in, in verse 3, a man should fulfill his duty as a husband, and a woman should fulfill her duty as a wife, and each should satisfy the other needs. That, that scripture right there tells us the purpose of marriage. The Bible says, this is what the Bible says, it says that, that the purpose of marriage is to meet the needs of your spouse. Now, that's not the only purpose, but that is a main, major purpose of why God created marriage. It says this, it says that God expects the husband to meet the needs of the wife, and God expects the wife to meet the needs of the husband, but the problem is this. Men and women have different needs. Men, your wives do not have the same needs that you do. And the problem is that we think that our wives have the same exact needs that we do, so we seek to meet those needs the way we would like them met in our own life. And listen, that is just a, you know, that's a train wreck looking for a place to happen. You have to understand every, there's a difference between men and women, and the different needs that, that they have are different than the needs that, that we actually have. And so God has designed marriage uh, in particularly that, that the needs of our husband or our wife cannot be met by themselves. In other words, you cannot meet the needs in your life. You know, only God can meet our deepest needs, but each of us have certain needs. Men and women have certain needs that God has designed marriage in part for the purpose of husbands and wives fulfilling and meeting those needs. Now, do you know what those needs are? I'm going to tell you something. Most men do not have a clue. Most men don't have an idea of what it really means to meet their wives' needs. As a matter of fact, they, they don't know what they are, and truth be told, they've never asked. You know why? Because men are special. Men have the special ability not to think about anything. You know, women always ask you, well, what do you think about that? And you're going, I don't, I, don't, I don't think anything about it. Like, yes, you do. Well, what do you feel about it? I'm like, think, feel, think, feel. What, what's that? You know, I mean, and, and the truth is most men come uh, emotionally unassembled and women wire them up. I mean, that's, that's the way that it is. Men, men don't know how to, to connect emotionally. Most of them don't. And, and they don't necessarily know how to think outside of just one particular area. And so God gave us wives to help us understand how this thing's supposed to work together. Now, there's four basic needs. I'm going to give them, and this is in your outline here. There's four basic needs that, that every woman has, and we're going to cover those today. Number one, the first need of women is the need for security. Now, I'm going to explain what I mean by that in just a moment. Now, the Bible said in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And then it says this, and gave himself for her. Women feel most secure when they're married to a sensitive, sacrificial man who puts her needs before his own. I want to say that again. Most women, or women feel most secure when they are married to a sensitive, sacrificial man who puts her needs before his own. Now, the opposite of that is true as well. Women feel most insecure 
when they are married to a self-centered, disconnected man who only thinks about himself. Now, the truth is this. That is where every one of us start out on. Every one of us are born selfish. Every one of us think about ourselves. As a matter of fact, I didn't even know that I was a selfish person until I got married. I mean, I really didn't. I mean, I thought that I was a thoughtful, caring, well, not sensitive, but anyway, I thought I was a thoughtful man until I got married. I, I remember one time when, when me and Rachel first got married, and, you know, we go out and we play ball. And, and, and so I was going to, I told Rachel, I said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out and, and play ball. And she goes, where are you going? And I went, what? I've never been asked that question in my life. I'm, I'm, I, I ain't going to let her tell me that. I'm, I'm going to go play ball. What do you mean? I, I'm going to go play ball. She said, oh, oh, sorry. I was just asking where you were going. I was thinking, hmm, it's different. This is but, I mean, here's the thing. If you think you can continue on living your life as a single man after you're married, let me know how that works out for you. And so we all start out selfish. And so women feel most insecure when they're married to an insensitive, self-centered, disconnected man. And they feel most secure when they're married to somebody that is sensitive and sacrificial that simply says, you know what? I'm going to put your needs before my own. Now, now, this is what it means for a, a woman to receive or, or, or feel secure. Now, w- when we say security uh, to women, what we're saying is, to my hurt, I will meet your need. That, that's what we're saying. When we're trying to communicate security to, to our wives, what we're saying is, to my hurt, if it kills me. And believe me, that's what you're going to feel like when you first get married. You feel like that you're going to die because your opinion is now not even a full opinion. It's just half an opinion, and your half opinion doesn't matter really that much. But, but what you're saying is when, when you're trying to commute, uh, 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 communicate security to your wife, what you're saying is, to my hurt, regardless of what I have to do without, your needs are going to come before mine. My needs will always be second. Your needs... Now, notice I didn't say wants. There's a big difference between wants and needs. But but when you're communicating security to your wife, what you're simply saying is that I'm going to sacrifice whatever it takes. I'm willing to do without whatever I have to. I'm willing to put you before myself in all areas because that is the purpose that God created me for in this relationship. I was created to meet the need of security in your life. And so the Bible talks about it. We read it a while ago. It talks about being head of the household. Now let me say this, men. Being head of the household doesn't mean that that you are the big boss. It doesn't mean that that you are are the one that comes home, that everything's centered around you because you've worked all day and you've had a hard day and it doesn't mean that you get the big chair and the remote and her responsibility is to cook for you. That that's not what it means to be head of the household. You know, we're head of the household because we are the ones who are willing to sacrifice ourselves, our wants, our needs, and put the needs of our wives before our own. We're, we are head of the household not so that we can be in charge, but that we can be the greatest servant that our wives have ever seen. Now, that, that's what it's about. They, women 
they need security. You know, so we're going to make sure that we serve them, that whatever they need, that they get it first before we get what we want, that they come before us. Now, now how do you communicate security or meet the need of security in, in your wife's life? Now, here's a few things I want to show you here. Number one, here's how you communicate it. No, number one, you communicate your commitment to sacrificing for her. Now, notice what the Scripture says in, in verse 25. It says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and did what? Gave. That, that's, that's the word, gave. Gave himself for her. In order to meet your, need, your wife's need for security, it's going to cost you something. It, you're going you're to have to give up something in order to communicate to her that you're going to meet her need in this area of security. It may require you to give up, um, you know, some kind of hobby. It, it may require you to, to give up uh, hanging out with your friends all the time. It, it may require you to give up an event or, or a trip or, or a ball game. It's going to cost you something. But here's the issue. What you're trying to communicate here is, it does not matter what I have to give up I'm willing to give up everything that I need to give up and even enjoy doing just to make sure that you know you will be first in my life apart from my relationship with Jesus. Now, that sounds pretty tough, but I mean, that's why we're, you're the head. That's why you're the head of the household, so that you meet the need. What's the purpose of marriage? To meet the needs of your wife. So we have to communicate our commitment to sacrificing for her. I'm willing to make whatever sacrifice I need to in order to make sure that your needs are met. Now, here's the key word, first. It's just not about us. Now, here's the second thing. We have to communicate our commitment to being sensitive to her. Now, men struggle with this, all right? Most men, by nature, are not really sensitive people. You know, a, a woman knows that a man is not really sensitive or really committed to caring for her simply because our attitudes and actions reveal it. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, when, when you're trying to communicate something to somebody, it requires more than just words. As a matter of fact, over 90% of communication is nonverbal. Only 7% of communication is actually you using words. In other words, the, 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 the other 90% of that has to do with not just what you say, but it has to do with facial expressions, has to do with body language, it has to do with, with eye contact. And so listen, it's not enough just to say the right thing. You have to be happy about it, you know? It has to be genuine. It has to be real. If you're going to be, you know, if you're going to meet this need of security and you're going to have to become more and more sensitive to your wife, you have to realize something. When you communicate with her, you can't. That she wants to hear more than just grunts and groans. Okay, she wants to hear more than just okay. I'll do that. All right, and then you know, because we don't like to discuss the details, and we'll talk about that more in, in, in just a moment. But I mean, to communicate the need for security, we have to be committed to being sensitive to her. Now, let me just give you a, a good illustration of this. Now, now, men, just think about this for a moment. Okay. How would you feel if you went to work tomorrow, all right? And while you were at work, your boss came up to you and said, you know what, I've been thinking about you lately, and I just want to start by saying I appreciate 
just how committed and faithful you have been to this company throughout these years. And, and not just that, I appreciate how hard you work every single day of your life. You've worked hard for this company. You've been faithful. You've been loyal. You, know, you, you, have, you have stuck it out through the good times and the bad times, and I know I've not said a whole lot uh, to you, and, and I've not said thank you enough, but I've been thinking about you today, and, and, and I just want to just say to you, is there anything that I can do to help make your job less stressful and more enjoyable to you? Now, how would you feel if, if they said that? And then what, you know, how would you feel if they said this? As a matter of fact, I don't have to do this, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to immediately double your pay. I mean, how would you, I mean, how would you respond? I mean, what would you say? You'd probably be in a state of shock. You'd be like, is this really happening? I mean, what, what, well, here's the truth. I mean, that would be a dream come true. Women dream of having a man in their lives that have the thoughts, actions, and follow-through to treat her with the same kind of attitude. Imagine if you were committed to doing that in your relationship with your wife as you wish that it would happen in the place where you work. Imagine if, if you committed to being sensitive enough to be more thoughtful about her, to be more thankful for her, to, 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 be, uh, to show uh, more caring, more sensitive action. Imagine what that would do to your relationship if you simply just flip the switch and begin to focus on her needs of security and being cared for. Imagine the change. Now, now here's the good thing. good thing is if you're willing to do that, it won't cost you a dime. Doesn't cost you a dime to say thank you. Doesn't cost you a dime to say, I appreciate you. It doesn't cost you a dime to say, I love you. It doesn't cost you anything. It might cost you a little bit of pride. It might cost you a little bit of, 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 of humility. It might require, you know, it might cost you a little bit of, of, of self-denial, but financially, it doesn't cost you anything. Imagine, just imagine if we left today and immediately husbands begin to be more sensitive to their needs of their wives and simply started communicating with words. Thank you, I love you, I appreciate you, I value. Imagine what that would do just in those relationships alone. I know that's practical and, and that's simple, but you know what? Just because something is simple doesn't mean that it is easy. Men struggle with that stuff. So here, let's do a little bit of practice here, men, okay? I want all the men to say this with me, okay? Say this with me, okay? I am wrong, Say this with me, I am sorry. Listen, I saw some of you guys, and you guys were going, I am... No, I, I am... But just look, imagine, just imagine if you just were able to say those two things before things were as bad as they are right now. Being sensitive, communicating, you know, I mean, simple things you know, like that. Now, here's the third thing. Communicate your commitment to providing financially. So, so how do we communicate security? How do we meet this need of security? 
Number one, we communicate our commitment to sacrificing for her. And what the issue is here is what we're saying is, you're first, there's nobody else before you, that, that I'm going to sacrifice to my hurt whatever it takes in order to make sure that your needs are met first. I might be head of the household, but as head of the household, I'm here to sacrifice whatever it is in order to make sure that you are met with all of your needs. Number two, you communicate your commitment to being sensitive to her, and you do that by words, by, by gifts, by, by, by notes, by thoughtfulness. Again, doesn't cost you anything. Now, the third thing is you communicate and meet the need of security by committing yourself to providing for her financially. Now, we're not talking about some big, massive, extravagant lifestyle, okay? We're talking about because when a woman gives herself to uh, her husband, she's basically saying that I'm committing myself to you for the rest of my life, and I trust you that you are always going to do the right thing in the area of finances. Finances uh, are extremely important. As a matter of fact, statistically, uh, financial matters are the number one reason or the number one cause of divorce across the board. Financial matters. Money matters. Money is spiritual issues, how you handle money. And, and, and so it, it's important that we understand and we communicate that we're committed to providing financially for her. Now, how do we do that? Because here's what I know about men. Men need to, they need a, a specific example. Don't talk in general terms. Tell me how that I can do this, and then I will do it. We, we don't read minds well. We, 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 we're not able to envision what that looks like, but, but here's how you do this, okay? Be a faithful and hard worker. You know, women want to know that they are married to somebody that have a strong work ethic. Number two, be a wise money manager. In other words, don't waste money, you know? Don't, don't spend it on anything and everything that, 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 that comes your way. Num number three, seek the best employment possible. Now, let me say this. When it comes to money and, and making money, the issue here is not the size of the paycheck. The issue here is the size of the commitment, okay? Some of, some of, some of our society's most important people, so, some, of our, 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 uh, so, some of the most important people in our society are not well paid. Police officers, EMT workers, teachers, they are not well paid. And so I want you to know something. Just because you may not be well paid or have a good paying job doesn't mean that you cannot meet the financial need of security because the, the issue is not the size of the paycheck. The issue is the size of commitment. And so what you're saying here is that I'm, I'm willing to work hard for, for our family. I'm willing to make sure that our family is cared for and provided for. I'm, I'm willing to seek the, the best financial uh, position for, for work and employment. And listen, sometimes, listen, a promotion is a step back. If a promotion is going to take you more and more and more away from your family, then that might not necessarily be the way that you need to go. You should ask your wife, is this what's going to help our family become stronger and better in the situation that we're in? But again, the, the issue here is, is not the size of the paycheck. The issue here is the size of commitment. Are you with me? Here's the, here's the second thing. Non-sexual affection. Non-sexual affection. Just in case, ladies, you don't know this, men struggle in this area. Men, men struggle with being affectionate. 
Now, I, I love what it says here in Colossians chapter 3, verse 19. It says, husbands, give your wives much love. Much love. You know, affection is, is, is sympathetic. It, it is compassionate. It is not just sexual. Sex, you know, women think of affection and sex as two different things. Men see them as one. So non-sexual affection is a need. Now, you've got to see this. Whether you like being affectionate or not, it's irrelevant. You have to see this as a legitimate need in your wife's life, and just because you don't have the skill set on how to be affectionate is not an excuse for you not trying to get better in this area. And most men struggle with simply being affectionate in a non-sexual way. Now, this is probably one of the weakest skills that, that the majority of men uh, possess. They struggle in this area. Now, non-sexual affection, listen to this, involves gentle touching, patting, hugging, and rubbing in a non-sexual way. Well, most men will look at that and they'll say, well, listen, that guy sounds like he's whipped. Well, that just makes me sick. You ever seen, you know, I mean, I'm not talking about showing all these public displays of affection in Walmart. You know, I'm not saying to, you know, to do that kind of stuff. But, I mean, you can do some things in Walmart like hold your wife's hand. There's nothing wrong with that. That's perfectly normal. But, I mean, we have to be committed to showing affection in non-sexual ways because when we show non-sexual affection to our wives, it means two things, okay? Number one, it means that you value her, that she's not just a sex object. That's important for you to understand. The truth is the end goal for a man is sex. It's the bottom line. Why? Because it's a need. It's a legitimate need in, in a man's life. But men think that being sexual also means being affectionate. That's just not true. Sex and affection are two different things. So when you... When you touch your wife softly, you pat on her, you put your arm around her, when you show affection in a non-sexual way, that meets a legitimate need in her life. And a woman can never hear too many times, I think you're beautiful. I, I think you are lovely. I, I think that you are smoking hot, you know? You've seen, what, what, what's, the, what's the show with Ricky Bobby on it? Talladega Nights, you know, he's praying to the, you know, the five-pound, three-ounce baby Jesus. He said, thank you, baby Jesus, for my smoking hot wife. Listen, that's the kind of prayer life I've got at my house. I'm going to think, thank you, Jesus, for my smoking hot wife. You know, listen, I mean, it's, it's good. It, 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 is, it, is, it is good. But we have to communicate value, and communicating value does not mean being sexual. Some people use sex as a tool to get back at the other person. They use it as guilt, as manipulation. And that's not my message today, but I'm just hitting on that. A woman thrives in the atmosphere of affection and adoration, but she wilts and dies in the presence of silence and criticism. Now listen, I, I'm one of these people that I like to joke, and I have the gift of sarcasm. And, and my wife just hasn't understood that yet. She, she, she sees sarcasm as a dig on her personally, when really I don't intend for it to be that way. I genuinely don't intend for that to, to be that way. Sometimes I do. 
But I'm asking underneath the insecurity that I have in being affectionate. I'm just going to be transparent with you. I, I struggled in this area a lot. And I am. I am a very sarcastic person, not because I'm trying to be negative or critical. I do like to laugh. I love to laugh, even if I have to laugh at you. I enjoy scaring people. I mean, I really do. I enjoy the reaction. I video stuff like that, you know? Stuff's hilarious. But sometimes you can kind of take it a little bit overboard, okay? So, so the, the goal here is, you know, when, when you show non-sexual affection, you're saying to your wife that I, I value. Here's the second thing, emotional connection. Men don't know anything like this. I'm just telling you, ladies, just be patient with them. They don't know. Again, men come emotionally unassembled, and women wire them together. That's why they ask you things like, how was your day? And want the details. And when you give them maybe a few details, they say, well, how'd that make you feel? And you're like, feel? And so what they do is they take this wire and that wire and they just kind of, that's a feeling. That's a feeling. See, and the longer we're married, the more that they're going to wire you up so that you learn how to feel because it's important to feel, not just say the words or say the right thing, but actually to feel. Now, you know, you, you may be, you know, here's what men will do. Men may put their arm around their wife and here's what they're thinking. They're not saying it, but this is what they're thinking. I wonder how long we're going to have to do this. <laughs> it's just true. Now, the longer you get married, the longer you are married, the, the less you do stuff like that, unless you keep working at it and make it a priority. In the beginning, you can't keep your hands off of each other, but, you know, after five children, you're going. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out if he's trying to touch me in a non-sexual way or <laughs> He trying to pursue me here, or what, what is he trying to do? <laughs> men are going, I'm trying, doing my best here. So men are thinking, how long am I going to have to do this? And women are thinking, wow, I'm, I'm bonding. I'm connecting emotionally. And I know that that's kind of dramatic, and I'm not saying that that's the way everybody reacts and responds, but the truth is there is an emotional connection that comes when you are non-sexually affectionate to your wife that meets a legitimate need in her life. And would you agree with that, ladies? That's something, that's, 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 that, that's important. Now, again, like I told you, I, I, I shared all these things with Rachel before uh, I preached this message. And, and here's what I told her. I said, now, first of all, what I want to know is this. I want to know is what am I, it was, it, do, you, do you agree with these four needs? And not only do you agree with these four needs, what I want you to do is I want you to tell me how I do or can meet your needs better in these particular areas and then give me some feedback. That's what I ask you to do. Men, I encourage you to do that. You've got to drop some hints. Men, just take this outline. I'm helping you. And just say, hey, am I, am I meeting your needs in your life? And if, if I'm not... Could you show me how I could do better? I promise you, if you do that sincerely, things will radically change for you. It'll radically change. And the truth is, she deserves that. So I asked Rachel these things. And, and so she, as she began to feel uh, you know, the, the stuff out that I asked her to, here's what she said about non-sexual affection. She said, I feel like that there's other things and other ways to show affection. 
Affection isn't just touching. Physical touch is just one part. Notes, cards, gifts, being a gentleman, being courteous, being thoughtful, initiating quality time, offering to do things to help take the stress off of me, all show me non-sexual affection, and it means something to me. I feel loved and valued when you do that. Again, that doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't cost you anything. It's just a matter of you being thoughtful enough to try and do some things that you've not done. Now, here's the truth. I was not raised in, 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 a, in a very uh, affectionate home. I know my family loved me, but I probably my mom uh, and my dad may have told me that they loved me, you know, three or four times my whole life. It was understood. It was never expressed. But love never expressed dies. It's not love at all. It takes more than just saying it. There has to be an expression of it, okay? I, I never heard my brothers tell me that they loved me one time until after I said we never hugged each other. I remember when I first got saved and I went to church and I got my first man hug. And that's what I called it. I mean, a man hugged me and I was like, oh, Jesus. This is the weirdest place I've ever seen in my life. We did not show affection. We were not affectionate people. And that bled into my relationship with, with Rachel. I mean, I struggled giving hugs. I struggled holding hands, I struggled saying, I love you, and that is the truth. I'll never forget, Rachel wanted to hold my hand in public one time. Can you believe that? So, I mean, she, she you know, there's a whole, whole, whole lesson teaching on, on love languages, and I'm not going into that, but I encourage you to read that book. But one of her love languages was physical touch. She wanted to hold my hand, I was like, oh. But let me think about that for a moment. How, how weird is that? I mean, how weird is it to not want to hold your wife's hand? Now, I was glad to do it in private. That wasn't too bad of a thing for me. But to do it in public was sending a wrong message to other men. I was thinking, man, these men are going to think that I'm a wimp. They're going to think that I'm whipped. They're going to think that she's got me wrapped around her finger. And I just, I just don't want to do it. But then I learned that this was one of her love languages. And this, honest to God, Teresa, we were pulling to Walmart one time. And, and uh, I looked at Rachel, I said, let me tell you something. I'm going to walk in here, and I'm going to hold your hand. In front of everybody, because I love you. <laughs> and just know, it's going to kill my soul the whole time I'm doing it. I love you. So we get out of the vehicle, and all of a sudden, Rachel grabs my hand. Swinging it around. <laughs> hey, everybody. I'm like, it wasn't that bad, but that's what it felt like. I was sitting there going, oh, my God. <laughs> but then I told her, I said, now, listen, my love language is words of affirmation. I said, when we get back in this car, you better say, thank you for doing that. I see how hard you're working. But I, I, I brought, uh, I said that, and, then I, and I brought this, and this is just some of them, but... These, Rachel's kept all of the letters and cards and notes and, and that, that, that I've ever wrote her. And, and believe me, when I wrote these, it killed my soul. I mean, it did. Because you feel weak and you feel vulnerable 
And then you have to outdo yourself every single year. You can't forget anything. You have to one-up it every single year. So, so she kept all these things. And like I said, these are just a few. And I got to thinking, what in the world would this woman want with all this stuff that is as pathetic? I was reading some of this stuff today. I'm going to. I was reading some of this stuff. I was reading some of this stuff to, 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 to Clay. And again, let me tell you something. You know, I, I was giving him some hints. You're welcome on that, Andrea, okay? You're welcome. But, like, again, one year, we, we, we celebrated her birthday in, uh, in, uh, in Disney World, and I made sure that she got all the autographs of all the princesses, okay? Princess Jasmine, Cinderella, Snow White, Princess Aurora. I have no idea who this woman is, but this was it. It was a car. She kept it. Why? Crazy. But... Here's one. Here's another one. I wrote. Let's see. This was April the fourth. This was her birthday, 2001. We hadn't even been married a year yet. Let me just read how gaggy this is. All right. <laughs> Don't be judging me either. All right. I'm just reading the end of it, but it says here, "My honest prayer." Okay. I mean, this is coming from the heart, people. Listen. Have a heart. This is my honest prayer. And that is for our love to grow and to become complete until our hearts beat in the perfect rhythm as one. Whoa, I ain't done yet. Ho! That ain't even the good part. Hey, here's the good part, all right? I'm not telling my secrets, but... But here's the thing, look. Here's what I said after that. I said, your heart has set the pace. Now mine is playing catch-up. <laughs> that was like 16 years ago. But man, listen, I'm telling you something, I struggle every Valentine's Day. Two days away from now, I'm sitting there struggling. Today. Because again, I, why does she keep this stuff? Because it means something deeply to her. And it kills me. Because I'm having to be weak and vulnerable and, and share these things. And so now I'm thinking, gosh, what did I say last year? She, I can't even repeat the same thing from five years ago because she's got it. <laughs> and how am I going to one-up this one? I mean, so I'm stressed out. I'm, my pride's killing me. I'm sick to my stomach. I'm trying to come up with a, with, with, with a one-upper, and I, and I can't. Listen, nothing freaks me out. Nothing, nothing caused me to go in panic mode. I'm getting a little bit better, but nothing gets to me more than, than Valentine's Day just because of what it really and truly means, especially to her. Now, again, she's kept every Valentine's Day card, every birthday card, every anniversary, every sticky note, every just everything. It, just, it was just crazy. So I, I went through one, and here, here's what I here's what I, I think this was. Uh, it was uh, it was on her birthday, and, and this is what this one says. Okay, this is a good one. This is really good. I said, I'm not always the best at making clear just how much I really do love you. So when I don't have the right words to say, 
Take these thoughts and keep them close to your heart and you will never forget. Here's how I say I love you when I'm speechless. Hold my hand and you will feel it. Look into my eyes and you will see it. Listen to when I speak your name and you will hear it. Kiss me and you'll absolutely be sure of it. Because when you truly love someone, there's a part of your heart that belongs to that person. And I just want to let you know that my heart always has and always will belong to you, even when I don't have the words to say. Come up with that myself. That's right. I said that myself. And I would read this other one here. But it needs to be censored. But anyway, here, here's my point. Non-sexual affection is not just physical touch. It's notes and cards and letters. And why does she keep all of that? Here, here man, I want you to get this. Why does she keep them? Because what that says to her is that when Donald is all by himself, he's thinking about me. I am on his heart. I am on his mind. And that communicates love. Even when you write corny stuff, like when our hearts beat in the same rhythm. So do it. It'll bless you. You might just be surprised at how your wife will respond to you. Here's the third thing. Open and honest communication. Insincere talk, uh, talk hides what you're really thinking. It brings nothing but ruin. Now, here's the thing. Again, men struggle with this, all right? Women have an inner need for details and honest communication with their husbands. Why? Why do they need to have communication in details? It's because that's how she connects to your world and connects to your heart and connects to your life. I mean, if you're working all the time and you're not able to spend the amount of time with her that you want to, the details are very important to her because she wants to know what's going on. Men are not that way. You know, they, you know, they don't, you know, they don't, the women don't want to know the headlines. You know, you know it's like a, a woman will ask, well, well, who'd you talk to today? I didn't talk to anybody. Well, well what'd you do? I, I drove to work. I stood in front of a, of a blank wall and I told her to be quiet. I mean, that's what I did. I didn't talk to anybody. Come home. I haven't talked to anybody. Well, that's not good enough. You know, there, there, there's something that you've talked to somebody. If you talk to yourself, well, what, what, how was your day? And you're like, oh, what do you mean? I'm trying to forget it. I'm coming home. But she hasn't seen you all day. And you work a lot. And so on, open and honest communication is important. And not just this, she wants to hear the whole day. She doesn't just want to know the details. She wants to know how it feels. Well, what'd you feel about that? I don't know what feeling. I don't know how I feel about that. But, but women want to know the details. Men are not like this. Men, men, this is what your wife really wants to hear, okay, when, 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 you know, when, when you communicate to her. Well, at 6.32 a.m., I came into consciousness. But I didn't open my eyes because I was feeling really emotional about my meeting with Bob. So I sat there in bed for a few moments, and I just got more emotional 
Now, by this time, it's, it's 6.35, and I know that I need to get up. 6.35, I got up, and I, I went to the bathroom and uh, started getting ready for a shower. While in the shower, I noticed I was really tired, but I was still thinking about my meeting with Bob and, you know, getting emotional about it. I mean, that's, that's kind of details that, you know, stuff like that had been in like, huh, what? I mean, what, what is this? Oh, I, I remember, I remember when I learned this, because here's what I believe. I, I believe that you've got to put stuff in practice. I'm about to finish up here. I, I believe that when you learn something that's helpful, you ought to do it. You ought to put it into practice. Whether it's the Bible, or whether it's relationship skill, you ought to do it. It changes things. So I remember when, when I thought to myself, I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to I'm have a conversation with Rachel. I mean, it's just the truth. I mean, I mean I'm, not, I'm talking about a real conversation. I started thinking to myself, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to talk to Rachel about anything and everything that she wants to talk about. So we did that. We, we, sit down, we started doing that. This is, again, not my, my, my best skill. We sit down, we started talking. And here's what I was thinking. I am the greatest man who's ever lived. <laughs> There's no other man on the planet that's doing what I'm doing right now. They've never sat down and listened to this. I'm the greatest man that's ever lived. But be that as it may, they're going to find me dead tomorrow because uh, this sister's going to suck my brain right out in my ear. She, you know, they're they're going to find me dead. My, she, she's going to talk me to death. And I'm going to die this way. And I was going, oh, oh Lord Jesus. But you know what? The more I, I, I started talking to her, the more I enjoyed talking to her. Because the truth is, most of us love our wives. We just don't know how to love our wives the right way and to meet those needs. Now, here's the last thing, and I'm finishing up. Last need in a woman's life is, is leadership. Because for the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Women do not want to be dominated they want to be treated as an equal. Now, listen, I know in our, in, in our area, you know, a lot of people think that being the head of the household simply means being the boss and the one that's in charge. That's just not the way God created this thing to be. I do not believe in men being superior than women. I've been around the world, and I found out that some of God's greatest men are women, and that's just true. They're doing incredible things for, for the kingdom of God. But here's what women do love. Women love to be married to a loving initiator. Somebody that takes the initiative. And here's four main areas that I've got up here. Women want to be married to the loving initiator. And these are four areas that they want you to initiate in. Number one, children. In other words, they, they want to know that you are invested in your family. They want to know that you actually care, that you think about that, that you have their best interest in mind, that you want to know how their day has been. I ask my children every time they come in. I said, do you, do you, how'd your day at school win? I remember asking Josiah that. He's in kindergarten this year. He came in and said, well, how'd your day went? He goes, he throws his books down. He said, why didn't you tell me I was going to have to be here all day? <laughs> you know, he was thinking 1130, he's out. Now he's having to stay all day. He said, what do you tell me? But anyways, they want to see initiate. Number two, they want to see you be the initiator in the relationship. 
In other words, you be the one that initiates your relationship in the areas that we talked about, in the security, in the sensitivity, in the non-sexual uh, uh, affection, in the open communication and conversation, that you be the loving initiator. Now, I know some of you guys are like thinking, no, nah, I ain't doing that. Listen, it's probably because your heart is not right toward God and your heart is not right toward your wife. You cannot expect to be right with God when you're at odds with your wife. You can't be distant from your wife and close to God at the same time. I paused for an amen. It didn't come. In the area of finances, they, they want to know that, you know what, hey, that, 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 that you are not making bad decisions, that, that you know what, that we're going to give God the first 10%. You know why? Because it's holy, it honors Him, it's worship, it belongs to God. Now, i got a whole list of things that I could have shared with you that Rachel, that Rachel said, but it just make me look good. I'm not trying to look good, I'm trying to show you some areas that I believe would be helpful for your relationship. And the last area, and they go ahead and come to music, they want you to take the initiative in spiritual matters. We live in a nation where the men that are in the homes are so passive that women have had to take on the role of being the head. Not just in the home, in the church. Women have packed the church on its back for years because men don't want to be the spiritual leaders in their home. They don't want to pray with their family. They don't want to read the Bible. They don't want to even talk about spiritual matters. So the wife is having to do all of that and, and the yoke that was supposed to be placed upon you becomes a burden to her and you wonder why she's frustrated. You're not interested in her. You're not interested in the children. You're not interested in, in the money except the fact that she's spending too much and you're not doing anything in a spiritual realm except coming to church. And we think that's good. It's not good. It's tragic. It's horrible. And we have to see men be raised up in our nation because that is the order and the design in which God said for it to be. And I don't care how that makes you feel. It's still right. But if you assume that role and you begin to fulfill those roles in their life, I promise you, it will transform your relationship, our families, our children, our nation. Change everything. Revival starts at home. It starts at home. close with this. The reason that marriage and the success of marriage is so important, it should be important to each of us, is because it will leave a legacy behind for our children to follow. How a husband and wife relates to each other communicates God's love to their children 
in a deep, meaningful way that they will never, ever see or receive any other place, including the church. Because God created the family before He created the church. But for so long, we've not had the kinds of families that really resemble and reflect what it is that God wants to do in our lives. And so our children are in a place of disillusionment and we don't make God a priority and we don't make the house of God a priority. And anything that we do for God, we, we make it like it's the biggest and most difficult thing for us to do in the world. We compartmentalize God. You know, we, we think that, that we come to church and we put in our time card and we do our spiritual nine to five and we think that we've done something really, really good while we're totally disconnected from the people that God has called us to minister to and to lead and to love. But the reason it's important is that good families, happy marriages produce generational impact. Your children need to be able to see what a godly marriage is all about. I never saw that. I'm telling you the truth. I never saw it. And I remember saying to Rachel, let me tell you something. I never saw that in my life. I never seen what a good husband's supposed to be like. I've never seen what, what, a, what, a, what, a, what a godly uh, father's supposed to be like. And I'm telling you right now, I'm going to struggle. Now, she thought I was just saying some things. But that is proven to be true, especially in the early years of our marriage. I didn't know. I wanted to. I did the best that I could, but I was totally oblivious to what I just taught you. Nobody taught me this. Nobody showed me. Nobody gave an example. They didn't demonstrate what it would be like to, to model and live this way. So I struggled, and my wife paid the price for it. Fortunately, she's the most patient human being on the face of the earth. And she stuck it out. She stayed. Sometimes our life is so bad that the only option people have is to leave. But thank God that I refused to remain the way that I was. Some of you, you've been sitting your ways for so many years. Your wife believes that you're never going to change and you're at the place where you don't want to change. And that's the way you live every day. But there's no such thing as a perfect man or a perfect woman. Everybody falls short of perfection. But I just want to pose this question to you. We could all do better. But can you imagine the impact it would have if we were committed to meeting each other's needs? Could you imagine the impact that it would have on our marriages? The impact it would have on our children? The impact that it would have on our church and our community? Can you just imagine? Can you envision that? Or do you even care? And I'm saying if you, if that, if you, don't, if you don't value your, your marriage, if you don't value your family, there's something deeply wrong at the core of your heart. And, and so can you envision what it would be like? I mean, it would literally transform our families, our, our communities, our nations. What do you think the devil is on with all that onslaught on the family and the home? As the home goes, so goes the church. The strength of the church is equal to the strengths of the families that attend that church. And we've got to have strong families. 
real life involves real people who make real mistakes. And a lot of the issues that we make in our relationships or problems that we have are complex. But basically there's two major roots. Selfishness and pride. Stand with me. I wish Rachel was in here to say this because I mean it. I mean this with everything in me. I do not want to come to the end of my life and look back at my life having to regret having not loved my wife enough. That would be a huge regret. And I do not want to come to the end of my life thinking that I have loved my wife well only to find out that I didn't. Men, what about you? What about you? Could you love your wife better? Could you meet your, need, your wife's needs better? Could you show more affection? Could you talk more to her? Could you be more sensitive? Yes, we all could. But are you? Are you going to walk out the door and say, you know what? I'm not going to do anything with this. And if you do, shame on you. Shame on you. Why? Because it's important to God. It's important to her. It's important to your children. Now listen, I'm not saying if you have failed in these areas up to this point that you're a failure. No. It's never too late for things to be turned around. It's never too late for God to do something in mirror. I don't care if you've been married multiple times. Listen, you can get it right this time. That ought to be your goal. Let's get it right. Let's go for it. Let's fight for it. They deserve it. An older couple was asked the question, how did we manage staying together for 65 years? And they said, we were born in a time when something was broken, we'd fix it and not throw it away. You know, marriages would go a lot more smoother if, if the husband and wives understood they're on the same side. You're on the same side. Ruth Graham Bell, you know what she said? She said, marriage is the union of two good forgivers. Some of you just simply need to take action. Not, I'm not saying you have to do it here, but just go to your wife and say, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. Forgive me. Listen, that could be the beginning for everything to change. Please don't take what I've said to be something that is harsh and mean and cruel. I intend to challenge you. Listen, I'm speaking to you like men because you are men. And I expect men to be like men. I'm not saying you've got to be perfect. And I'm not saying I'm the perfect example, but I'm going to tell you this much. I'm committed to being better than what I am right now. Are you? and challenge you to do that. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your presence that's here, for your word that's true. And we come to you as a collective group of families. Husbands, wives, moms, dads, children. And we, we, we lift ourselves to you and we give ourselves to you and we say, God, search our hearts and see where we've fallen short and help us to change. As husbands, help us to be committed to the security, 
the sensitivity, the, the, the providing financially for our wives. Help us to become better at showing non-sexual affection. You said the purpose of marriage is to meet our spouse's needs. Help us to make that a priority to walk out of here and put it into place. Father, I ask you, Lord, that you help us in the area of communication, of communicating details and emotions and feelings and help us to lead well and to be the loving initiator. 